This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Hmm. It is my joy to share with you. My name is Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles, and I love to connect with folks around these teachings of pure love and insight. So let's jump into a prayer here. Very grateful, very thankful to place my hand in my heart, to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit itself, and to recognize the fullness of love is what we already are. So grateful, so thankful to surrender any sense of lack or limitation that we're holding on to. We're releasing the blocks to love, and we're allowing ourselves to stand in the light of the Christ which is our true identity. So grateful to share the benefits with everyone because we're united. We're one. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 If you are new to A Course in Miracles, many people have told me over the years that this podcast was helpful to them in understanding the basics of A Course in Miracles. And in particular, uh, my intention is to support people in what I'm doing, which is a very practical moment-by-moment application of these teachings. I absolutely know from my own experience, because I've proved it, that when I understand the truth, when I know the truth, When I live the truth, I'm liberated from pain and suffering. That pain and suffering come from false beliefs. So it is my intention to use these teachings from A Course in Miracles in a very practical way to liberate from false perceptions, from suffering, from pain, from sickness, from doubt and fear and anxiety. And I have been sharing these materials for a long time now and teaching my programs, which you can find at jenniferhadley.com, teaching my programs, Masterful Living, Finding Freedom, uh, Sacred Circle, etc. And people have seen a dramatic reduction in all kinds of dysfunction, all kinds. And they've seen a dramatic increase 
in healing of all kinds. And we're all on a unique and individual journey. For me, one of the most wonderful things is that when we can join together, we exponentially increase our joy, our healing. And so today the topic is sickness and self-love. And just before I get to that, I would like to say one thing. I I have been... Uh, I've moved from the Unity platform, Unity radio platform, because they closed, to uh, another platform. And I know I have not been as regular since I made that move because the uh, Unity platform was a live broadcast. And so I don't have to keep that appointment. So I've been a little sporadic, and I apologize to you if that is annoying to you, but I'm uh, looking to get to be more regular again, and definitely to have the, the weekly broadcast or the weekly upload of the pre-recorded podcast. So just a note about that for... Uh, folks who look forward to the episodes and then they don't arrive when they are used to getting them. So, all right. So, sickness and self-love. And and we're looking at chapter 12, which is entitled The Holy Spirit's Curriculum, and section 2, which is entitled The Way to Remember God. And in here, Jesus talks about sickness and love. And one of the things when Jesus talks about sickness, I sometimes I feel hmm uh that I I don't wish for anyone who has uh a struggle with illness or sickness to feel like they're failing. On, as a spiritual student on a spiritual level. That's not how I view it. And, of course, Miracles has a lot to say about sickness and illness. And primarily, one of the things that many of us remember, Jesus says, is sickness is a defense against the truth. I... I so do not wish to contribute to anyone feeling that they're failing if they're experiencing illness. I, I'd just like to say up front, as I have said before, that I truly believe that anyone who is working with the ego mind system and is experiencing illness, is intent on liberation, is intent on undoing it. My strong sense for people who are experiencing physical illness is that it is a way for them in this incarnation to put the pedal to the metal because when you are experiencing unwellness, physical unwellness, emotional unwellness, mental unwellness, on a moment-by-moment 
and certainly daily basis, that it is a constant reminder to choose love and to choose self-love and self-care and to work at the level of the mind. So it is a very strong incentive. It is a very strong helper to keep the pedal to the metal, as I said. So that being said, let's dive in here and see what Jesus has to say in this section, chapter 12, section 2, the way to remember God. And he starts off by talking about miracles. So let's begin with reminding ourselves what the definition of a miracle is. So a miracle, according to a course in miracles, according to Jesus, is when we give up our attachment to an ego thought, otherwise known as a false belief, and we align with the truth. When we are no longer interested in our false belief, and we are now interested in the actual truth. That is the miracle. The miracle happens at the level of the mind, the level of our awareness. Remember what he tells us in the fear and conflict section, that all thought produces form at some level. So our thoughts can either be aligned with truth or with ego. When we choose to align with truth, that is the miracle. And then things change in form. All thought produces form at some level. So when we are thinking thoughts that are true, it's going to produce a change in the world of form. Now, think of where A Course in Miracles begins with that statement, seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. When we change our mind about the world and we go from false belief to truth, then the world, which includes our thinking, it includes our emotions, it includes our physical experience, our relationships, our circumstances, our finances, all these different aspects of our life, when we align with truth, everything in our life heals and improves. But it does require us to give up the false, and to value the truth. And this is where many people struggle, myself included, of course, still giving up the false every single day, still agreeing to the truth, making that shift, and having miracles at the level of the mind, which translate to my life experience. So my life continues to be more peaceful, more joyful, more harmonious, more clear, more the way I'd like it to be because I am continuously 
releasing my attachment to my opinions, my judgments, my false beliefs. To me, that is self-love. To give up the causes of suffering, which are my false beliefs. To give up the causes of suffering is self-love. And so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about miracles. All right, so he begins with, and now we're chapter 12, section 2, The Way to Remember God. He says here, miracles are merely the translation of denial into truth. So the translation of denial into truth. Where denial is when we are denying truth in favor of our false beliefs, the meaning we made of things. He says, if to love oneself is to heal oneself, those who are sick do not love themselves. Now, I'm, I'm venturing into this topic today with my own personal trepidation because I do not wish to make anyone who is physically, emotionally, mentally suffering with what feels like illness to feel worse, but instead to feel better by the time this episode of the podcast is done. So let's set all opinions and judgments aside. All right? (laughs) So... Those who are sick do not love themselves. Now, for me, I had to really understand I I have a deep self-hatred. I didn't know that when I began doing this work. I didn't understand that. But I came to know it, and when I realized I have a deep self-hatred... I'm going to focus on self-love became the only choice that made sense to me. And now looking back, I can see that that was a life-changing decision. So it startled me to realize I had this deep self-hatred, but it was also very liberating. I I didn't hate on myself for the self-hatred. So I didn't compound it. I didn't see it really as a failure, as I recall. Instead, the realization that I've got this deep self-hatred, the self-hatred was for the personality. The self-hatred was for the small, selfish self that I had created through my ego identification. Why did I have a deep self-hatred? Well, I think it is the result of many lifetimes, many lifetimes of experience. And I'm getting not to dwell on that at all. Because... The self-hatred, the hatred was for a self that truly is not who I am. It was for a false self, not my true self. And so why dwell on that? 
let me love my true self and then the hatred for the false self will dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. At least that's been my experience of what is happening in my life. So, those who are sick do not love themselves. Therefore, they are asking for the love that would heal them, but which they are denying to themselves. So, I can see now that the first really positive step I made in my spiritual awakening journey seems to be when I recognized I had a deep self-hatred and I made the choice to learn to love myself and to focus my attention on that. That was the smartest thing I think I've ever done. It says here, They are asking for the love that would heal them, but which they are denying to themselves. If they knew the truth about themselves, they could not be sick. So that gives us a clue. Let me be interested only in the truth of myself. Let me not value or put any energy and attention into the false self, to my self-perceptions. Let me not ponder the thoughts I have about myself. Instead, let me see myself as God sees me. If they knew the truth about themselves, they could not be sick. The task of the miracle worker thus becomes to deny the denial of truth. So the person who is sick is in denial of the truth. Sickness is a defense against the truth. So let us not energize that when we're looking at ourselves or someone else. Instead, let us focus on The truth is being revealed here. I'm interested in the truth being revealed here. I'm allowing the truth to be revealed in my mind. All healing is at the level of the mind. Let us think thoughts like that. He says here, The sick must heal themselves, for the truth is in them. Yea, yea, God, the The sick must heal themselves, for the truth is in them. Yet, having obscured it, the light in another mind must shine into theirs, because that light is theirs. So, the light of the Christ is in each one of us. It is our true identity. When we are experiencing pain, suffering, illness of any kind, lack of any kind, limitation of any kind, it is because our thoughts are obscuring the light in ourselves or in others. And so the way to help 
those who are ill is to see the light in them and to know that the light in them is the light in ourselves, that I will be healed as I let spirit teach me to heal. Now, I, that's from the truly helpful prayer. And I do really like to say, instead of, I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal, I like to say, I am already healed. And I am willing and grateful to teach how to heal. Because in truth, we are already whole. We are healed. So let us be in denial of the denial of the truth. So having obscured the light, the light in another mind must shine into theirs because that light is theirs. So we're intentionally shining the light of the Christ into every mind that obscures it. So that's what we're holding, to have, give all to all. This is what we're doing. He says, now this is paragraph 2, again, chapter 12, section 2. The light in them shines as brightly regardless of the density of the fog that obscures it. So if you think of someone like Hitler or Putin, Vladimir Putin, the light in them shines as brightly regardless of the density of the fog that obscures it. If you give no power to the fog to obscure the light, it has none. So our job is to shine the light of the Christ, to see the light of the Christ, to know the light of the Christ in everyone's mind, regardless of what's going on with them. If you give no power to the fog to obscure the light, it has none, for it has power only if the Son of God gives power to it. He must himself withdraw that power, remembering that all power is of God. You can remember this for all the sonship. And I think of another word for sonship is humanity, for all beings. You can remember this on behalf of all beings. Do not allow your brother not to remember, for his forgetfulness is yours. But your remembering is his, for God cannot be remembered alone. Hallelujah. So our job is not to buy into anybody's story about themselves as being unworthy, unhealable, unlovable. Our job is not to buy into it. And it's also not to fight with them about it, but simply to be willing to know the truth and to stand in the light of truth no matter what the heck is going on. He says here, Your remembering is his, for God cannot be remembered 
alone. This is what you have forgotten. And that part is in, in, in italics. This is what you've forgotten. You've forgotten that God cannot be remembered alone. So often with spiritual students, we, we value the sense of independence, right? That we can take care of ourselves, that we can handle it ourselves, that we have this fantastic well of emotional strength that comes from our spiritual practice, etc. And yes, that may be true, but let us not try to be on our own. I, I really... No disrespect to the nuns and monks who go off on their own or go into a solitary retreat. They are in a spiritual awakening process. Let us not judge that. And uh, they're looking to give up distractions Is it helpful? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. One of the things that is very, very common is for spiritual students to want to retreat and get away from everybody else. I can't tell you how many people I have counseled about this. And so I I have a few things to share about that desire to go off on our own and to be independent, to isolate, to be alone with God. I totally understand it. It's not wrong. It's not bad. And there is much for us to to learn, remember, and know when that is what's going on with us and where we are um, feeling called. So uh, I'm coming up here to a break, and I can share more about that on the break. I'd like to to let you know that uh, you can still jump into my End My Self-Sabotage Challenge. So if self-sabotage is a challenge, come and join me. Also, I am presenting a whole new class with my friend Karen Russo, and I'll be telling you about that after the break. My name is Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles, and I will be right back after the break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. My name is Jennifer Hadley, and I am so glad that we are practicing self-love and eliminating the root causes of illness. 
As promised right before we went to the break, I would like to tell you about this offering, this new offering that we've got going on at the Power of Love Ministry. My dear friend, Karen Russo, was visiting me, and all of a sudden it hit me. You know what? Why don't you teach a class for Power of Love Ministry on how to create and lead workshops that make a difference in the world. And she said she'd love to. So that's great because she's been leading workshops and classes and teaching for decades. And she's very good at it. So I am intent on supporting the people that support the people. And one of the things that makes it so beautiful and so powerful is when I can support folks who don't feel confident and qualified to share and teach and do what they love to help them feel confident and qualified. And that's the purpose of what we're doing here. And uh, begins in August, August 16th. And you can read all about it at jenniferhadley.com. I'll be sharing along with Karen. And we're going to do some beautiful work together to support anyone who would like to teach any kind of a workshop. So it can be helpful even if you don't have a workshop idea yet, but you just would like to work on your your presentation skills, uh, could work well for anybody in terms of uh, their job, uh, there's so many ways that you can apply the skills that we're going to teach. But especially if you have any kind of a workshop or presentation, I have taught this material before, and it's so fun. I love it. And uh, people who would like to do a presentation on acupuncture, people who'd like to do a presentation on real estate or uh, legal things, you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a spiritual workshop that you'd like to lead. But learning how to have these kinds of skills is so valuable. It's just really beautiful. So if it calls to you, you'll know. Come check it out. All the details at jenniferhadley.com. So uh, be also before the break, I was talking about um, God cannot be remembered alone. And this is what we've forgotten. To perceive the healing of your brother as the healing of yourself is thus the way to remember God. And remember, this section is entitled The Way to Remember God. So here it is right here. To perceive the healing of your brother as the healing of yourself is the way to remember God. And this is one of the main themes of the course, is that we go together, we cannot go alone. Now, as I was talking about before the break, I've counseled, I can't even think of how many people I have talked with over the last couple decades 
about, they feel concerned that as they deepen their spiritual studies and practice, they feel like they want to get away from a lot of people. And uh, people start to bug them and bother them in ways they haven't before. That's normal. It's natural. What's happening is you're becoming more and more aware of your judgments of other people. So it's not so much the other people are bothering you, but it's your thoughts about them. Remember, seek not to change the world or other people, but to change your mind about them. So when I had that realization of the self-hatred and I was choosing self-love, one of the things that I started to do was develop more compassion. I was interested in having more compassion for other people and having more compassion for myself. So, for instance, I can think of one of my closest friends at the time. What we would do is we would get together, have dinner once a week, let's say. We would go out someplace, drink margaritas, smoke cigarettes, and complain and basically moan about the people that bothered us. And we would drink and smoke and complain. And when I was moving into this focus on self-love, I knew that there was no part of that drinking, smoking, complaining that was self-loving. It was all self-medicating. It was all ego-obscuring. And so I would go out with my friend and other friends, and they'd be complaining and complaining and saying, this one's an a-hole and this and that. And where I used to join in right along with them, now I was saying things like, well... We don't know what happened to them that made them like this. We don't know what their real thinking is. And people would look at me and think, what are you talking about? Nobody wants to hear about that. All we want is agreement. Yes, these people are stupid. They're idiots. They're morons. We don't like them. We are better than them. And so... What happened was very quickly, the people that I'd been hanging out with for years no longer wanted to hang out with me. I no longer wanted to hang out with them. No animosity towards them, really, that I recall, but just, I don't want to be in that conversation. I don't want to be in that activity. It doesn't feel like self-love to me. I'd like to choose something else. And so... I didn't know, I didn't have other friends, I didn't know other people that I could go have that self-loving conversation with, so I chose to be alone more and more. And many times I would self-medicate alone, and so I didn't feel good about that, and I didn't want to talk about that with other people. So I found myself going in and out of wanting to be alone. 
And it, I think it's a natural thing for a lot of people is they realize just how judgmental they are of other people. I hear it every year in Masterful Living, um, usually around the fourth or fifth month of the year, people are starting to really clue in to just how judgmental their thoughts are. And they're not interested in any of that. So they choose to be alone. And then they wonder, is there something wrong with them? What's really going on? But it's just all, they're becoming much more aware of the thinking that they were not aware of before. And so now they're judging the complainers rather than just agreeing with them. They're criticizing and they don't want to be in that judgmental criticizing mind. I know I've talked about this before because it's, it's helpful to talk about it. People are often very concerned that they are on the wrong path. They're isolating and it's the wrong path. And it's not. It's not. It's natural. It's normal. You're becoming more aware of your thinking. And you do not like being around other people, judging and complaining and criticizing them. It's easier to be alone. And you also, if you're like most people that I know in this spiritual development, you start to really deeply enjoy the connection with spirit and the desire is to be alone with God, to be alone with God and to experience the peace of God more and more. And so it's the come out from among them and you'll be guided. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is amiss. All right. So, still, God cannot be remembered alone. This is what we've forgotten, Jesus is saying here. To perceive the healing of your brother as the healing of yourself is thus to the way to remember God. So even if you are isolating somewhat in order to avoid all the judgment, the complaining, etc., in your time away from others, if you're reading the newspaper, bless them. If you're watching the news, bless them. If you think of that crazy behavior someone's got, bless them. Shine the light of Christ from your mind to theirs. And to perceive the healing of your brother as the healing of yourself is thus the way to remember God. So I am willing to be a healing presence in this world for my brothers and sisters, for myself, for all beings. I am surrendering all attachments to complaints, to criticisms, to judgments, to energizing that which is false. These are my thoughts about it. He says, for, for you forgot your brothers with God, and God's answer to your forgetting is but the way 
to remember. So the way that we remember God is when we see our brothers and sisters behaving in a an unloving way or feeling like they're not connected to God, we're looking at them knowing the connection cannot be severed, knowing that Christ is awake and alive in everyone, and most especially in ourselves, and we're extending it to our brothers and sisters. Think of it as being a torch from your mind to their mind, that you're lighting the torch in their mind. And in doing so, your torch burns brighter. The two fires come together. It's a bigger fire. He says, perceive in sickness, but another call for love and offer your brother what he believes he cannot offer himself. So extending the love to the one who appears to have illness is how we heal not just ourselves, but also them. So powerful to have, give all to all. To have healing, offer healing to all. Whatever the sickness, there is but one remedy. Now, I I just love when I read a statement like that. It's simple. It's clear. Whatever the sickness, there's but one remedy. Okay, I like it when there's just one choice. One remedy. So either we're choosing the remedy or we're choosing the sickness. I love it when it's that simple. He says, you will be made whole as you make whole. For to perceive in sickness, the appeal for health is to recognize in hatred the call for love. So if we energize the sickness, if we put our faith in the sickness, if we believe in the sickness, we are in a place of neglecting the call for love. And I'll say from my my understanding here, we're energizing the self-hatred by not recognizing the cry for love and the answer is to extend love. He says, and to give a brother what he really wants is to offer it unto yourself. For God wills you to know your brother as yourself. Answer your brother's call for love and yours is answered. So this takes me back to something I I say all the time, which is if we think one person on this planet does not deserve love, does not deserve our kindness and our compassion, if there's one person on this planet that we think should be punished, then we're believing that we should be punished too. And if I believe that someone else should be punished, isn't that a form of sickness? Isn't that insanity? If I understand the teachings of God, then I have to admit 
that belief in punishment is insanity. So the Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles, is very clear. Jesus is very clear. We offer correction, not punishment. So if we see someone who's behaving, let's say, the way Vladimir Putin is behaving, or uh, someone who's gone on a murderous rampage, in our mind we extend to them love and compassion and kindness, not punishment. And then we're teaching only love, and that is what we are, and that helps us to remember that is what we are, and that becomes our healing. When we extend love to the ones who are unloving, when we extend compassion to the ones who have no compassion, we are a healing presence for them, for all humanity, and for ourselves. As it says in the Truly Helpful Prayer, I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. I am already healed, and I will remember my wholeness as I let Spirit teach me how to extend love and be a healing presence in this world. Paragraph 3. Perceive in sickness but another call for love, and offer your brother what he believes he cannot offer himself. We offer love. It's so simple. It really is. When we witness someone's sickness of any kind, crazy thinking of any kind, physical illness, emotional illness, mental illness, whatever sickness we see, when we extend love, we are going to experience a healing and we're going to be a healing because there's only one mind. When we are choosing to stand in the light of love, we are teaching only love and that we are going to remember who we are, whose we are, what we are. That is the way. That is what he is saying here. God cannot be remembered alone. So the person who is presenting a cry for love, whether it's in the newspaper or in our home or at the next table at the restaurant, no matter where it's happening, the person who is presenting a cry for love is inviting us to be a healing presence. Whatever the sickness, there is but one remedy. You will be made whole as you make whole. For to perceive in sickness the appeal for health is to recognize in hatred the call for love. Check that out. For to perceive in sickness the appeal for health. Sickness is not an appeal for health. It is a cry for love. It's not about health. It's about love. 
everything is. That's why Spirit told me to name my ministry the Power of Love Ministry. You will be made whole as you make whole. For to perceive in sickness the appeal for health is to recognize in hatred the call for love. So if we're looking at someone who is experiencing sickness and we think it's about finding a path to health, we are not seeing it correctly. Instead, we're seeing hatred. We're looking through the eyes of hatred instead of the eyes of love. If we think it's about physical healing, it's about love. It's always about love. Love is all there is. And sometimes, as, as Jesus talks about, sometimes... Healing is threatening. Healing at all levels sometimes is threatening. And so we can go there in increments. We can't just make that leap. So quantum healing is always possible. The potential is there, but sometimes it frightens us. For a host of reasons. For a host of reasons. We are not ready to have full responsibility. We'd like to hide. There could be any number of reasons. And none of them is worth judging. Everything is worth loving. Everything, everything, everything. It's why many times I have counseled people who are very seriously ill to not focus on trying to heal the body, but instead to just focus on the relationship with God, the relationship with love, to, to love ourselves and to being that loving presence, giving up the judgments, the complaints, the condemnation, the hatred, and to choose love instead. That release of the attachment to healing the physical, emotional, mental bodies is liberating. It's liberating because the goal isn't physical, mental, emotional healing. It's really awakening to the Christ. It's really that. But in our ego identification, we have attachment to healing the body, to healing our finances, to healing the things of this world. Totally understandable. So let's love ourselves in that process, in that experience, and recognize some of us can move faster, some of us move slower, and our job is to see the Christ in everyone and to have no judgments, no complaints whatsoever. He says here, 
To give a brother what he really wants is to offer it unto yourself. Again, to have, give all to all. For your God knows, or God wills, excuse me, for your Father wills you to know your brother as yourself. Answer his call for love, and yours is answered. Healing is the love of Christ for his Father and for himself. Healing is the love of Christ for God and for ourselves. Remember what was said about the frightening perceptions of little children which terrify them because they do not understand them. Think of the child who's afraid of the boogeyman under the bed. There is no boogeyman under the bed. There is no monster in the closet. It's all projection. It's all perception. So we become terrified of not being healthy. We become terrified of being sick. Become terrified of all kinds of things. Instead of focusing on self-love, being loving, extending love, and recognizing the Christ within our own mind and in the mind of our brothers and sisters. So that's what's happening. We can go the other way. Healing is the love of Christ for his Father and for himself. Remember what was said about the frightening perceptions of little children which terrify them because they do not understand them. If they ask for enlightenment and accept it, their fears vanish. All right, then. Let's just ask for enlightenment and accept it. But if they hide their nightmares, they will keep them. It is easy to help an uncertain child, for he recognizes that he does not understand what his perceptions mean. Yet you believe that you do, not, you do understand yours. Little child, you are hiding your head under the cover of heavy blankets that you have laid upon yourself. You are hiding your nightmares in the darkness of your own false certainty and refusing to open your eyes to look at them. So the way I can understand this is for myself, I had all this fear of myself as maybe being an evil person, a bad person, uh, dysfunctional, unlovable, unlikable, cruel, all these different things. And I had evidence. So yes, I am a cruel person. I'm a mean person. I'm a vicious person. I've done all these things that are mean and cruel and vicious. And so I'm not lovable. And so maybe I am evil. Isn't that what evil is? Mean and cruel and vicious. But I decided to lay that aside and say, maybe it's not true. Maybe I'm fundamentally good, but I didn't know who I really was. So I was acting out from a false perception of myself. Let me see and know and feel and recognize, recognize that I am the Christ and let 
go of these false beliefs about myself and let me do the same for everyone else. So in that, I began to be willing to let go of this interpretation I'd made about myself that I couldn't possibly be the Christ because I was uh, I had this history of behaving so crazily. But if I knew I was the Christ, maybe I wouldn't have behaved in such horrible ways. You see what I'm saying? So I became willing to say, these are the things, the choices I've made when I didn't know. These are the choices I made when I didn't understand. But I'm willing to know. I'm willing to understand. I'm interested in the truth. I don't know what anything is for except it's for my healing. It's for my good. It's for the revelation of Christ in my mind. That's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm choosing. That's all I care about. Holy Spirit, make it so. Undo all the consequences of every wrong decision I ever made about myself, about life, about anyone else. I'm willing to live as the Christ. I'm willing to know and remember the truth. Show me how. So I stopped hiding from God. And I started, which is the higher self, the Holy Spirit. I stopped hiding and I started being in that direct conversation. And I also became more and more willing to just share with my brothers and sisters what I was going through and to talk about it. And to what I saw was as I began to love myself, which I experienced mostly in self-compassion and not judging myself. I made a deep commitment to stop judging myself. So the judgments would come up and I'd say, I am not going to put energy into that. I'm going to put energy into seeing the Christ in myself. I didn't make the Christ in myself. God put it there. I made the projection, the perception that I'm fundamentally evil God has nothing to do with that. God doesn't know anything about that because it's completely false. So the miracle is when we give up the false belief and we accept the truth, become interested in the truth, we're willing to energize the truth. That is the miracle right there. And I'm willing to live a miraculous life. How about you? Yes. All right. Well... I am out of time here, and (laughs) let me just say that if you'd like to know about any of my classes or programs that we're running, please check out jenniferhadley.com. Please check out livingacourseofmiracles.com, and you will find things there. I'm going to say a prayer right now. I'm grateful and thankful that the love of God is all that we are. I'm grateful and thankful that the Christ is perfectly intact within each and every one of us now and forever. 
I'm grateful, I'm thankful to let the healing be. Sharing the benefits with all, we know it's done, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. God bless.